0: I think we remember people once we care about them. you have got to give people an opportunity to care about you. And that means turning up on a regular basis and not just being 100% about business.
1: LinkedIn has a reputation for being dull, corporate, and kind of middle-aged. But according to John Asperian, aka the relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd, it's anything but...
0: The way it looks like it's going is that LinkedIn is trying to attract younger Gen Z creators and so they want to arm them with as many creator tools as possible.
1: In this episode of the Courageous Content Podcast, you'll hear from technical copywriter Jonas Asperian, who's built a large and engaged audience on the platform. He'll fill you in on some of the latest LinkedIn features like short-form video, carousels and documents. Watch out TikTok and Instagram and share tips on how you can make your mark on the platform, including creating a LinkedIn headline with impact. And he'll also explain why that's super important.
0: You've got to increase the amount of comments that you leave on relevant posts for your industry because that is the fastest accelerant for visibility on LinkedIn, is Mm. to leave comments on relevant discussions.
1: John is a keynote speaker at my annual content marketing event, Courageous Content Live which is happening in Newcastle in the UK on November the 1st and 2nd. So this interview is a chance to find out more about him and what you can learn from him at Courageous Content Live. You'll also hear us talk about how I begged him to speak at my event. And by the end of this interview, I think you'll know why. So a lot of people say that LinkedIn isn't for small businesses. And they tell me it could never work for their small business. What would you say to that, John?
0: Uh, Yeah, it's, it's a familiar trope, that, but I don't really think it's true. I think loads of businesses, big businesses, B2B, small businesses, B2C, everything in between, solopreneurs, small business owners, they're all able to get success with LinkedIn. And I think LinkedIn actually is attracting more and more younger content creators who don't have a career path. They'll just be working for themselves, maybe. And all of these people can succeed. Uh, so long as they know how to use the platform. So this idea of it being a boring platform that only works for big businesses, I don't think that's true anymore, if it ever was true.
1: So you obviously are an expert in LinkedIn. You know everything there is to know. And there have been quite a few new features that have come on board in the last year or so. What should we be paying attention to and what do we not need to worry about?
0: Yeah. So the way it looks like it's going is that LinkedIn is trying to attract younger Gen Z creators. And so they want to arm them with as many creator tools as possible. And anything that's new and shiny on LinkedIn tends to get a boost in visibility. So for example, recently LinkedIn started rolling out audio rooms. So you can start your own audio space, kind of like Twitter spaces and Clubhouse. So look for that to become popular. They're currently rolling out a new Format of content called carousel posts, which is a mix of images and videos that you can upload, and that it smooshes them all together and presents it as one video. That's the kind of thing that's really going to appeal to, I think, the Instagram and TikTok generation. So those things will be popular. And all of the new features that LinkedIn are releasing are for people who are in this new creator mode. So if you haven't turned that on on your profile, I would recommend turning it on so that you've got the best chance of getting those new features first.
1: And are you using those features, John?
0: Well, I've only just got audio rooms in the past week, so I haven't Mm. started my own, but I've been a guest on several, and Mm. they work pretty well on desktop Mm. and on mobile. The carousels feature I don't have yet, but I will be trying it. So I'm just keeping in mind that that images and videos together are going to be big in the future. And I think LinkedIn is prioritizing super short form video. It's kind of the creeping TikTokization of LinkedIn. So if you've got videos that are sub 20 seconds, they will automatically loop on LinkedIn. And I think that kind of content is going to be even more popular in the future.
1: So I guess if you're already creating content for TikTok or Instagram reels potentially you could repurpose for. Absolutely, you should
0: be, you know, make your content go as far as you can so that you don't have to redo it for each new platform.
1: So are there any features that you're not so keen on or you think that maybe we shouldn't pay so much
0: notice to? I think LinkedIn live video has been disappointing in its performance. A lot of people are reporting low viewer numbers and traditional image posts as well don't seem to perform as well as things like document posts, which are potentially really funky and can pack in a lot of information and reinforce your visual brand. So document posts are cool. These new carousels will be cool. But I think maybe traditional image posts and Mm -hmm. live videos, maybe not quite so much.
1: And can you explain what document posts are for those people who don't know?
0: Yeah. So LinkedIn allows you to create Word documents, PDFs, or PowerPoints and embed them into a post. And these things can be up to 300 pages long. If you imagine a really catchy, visually branded PowerPoint that has just a few words per page, you could get a lot of people spending a lot of time clicking through and looking at all of those slides. And LinkedIn is able to measure how much time you spend on each post as a kind of proxy for how good Mm. the quality of that post is Mm. and obviously the more time you spend the more valuable it seems to be and therefore the more likely it is Mm. to get accelerated through the network so documents are really a powerful medium that over the last three years they've been my most successful performing type of post
1: how would you suggest people used those sorts of posts
0: so if you've got for example a top 10 tips you could create a template maybe using something like canva with a nice opening slide, a nice call to action on the final slide, and then the guts of the post would be tip one, this, that, and the other, using a combination of some visuals and some text. You could do the whole thing in Canva if you wish. That's much more compelling than just a text list or doing a a rambling long video. It's Mm. more accessible and is a chance to reinforce your your visual brand. So not many people use them either. And I think that's one Mm. of the reasons why when they do land in your feed, they tend to be a bit more popular. Another type of post that has been downplayed recently is polls. So when they launched, they were just all the rage. You can ask people two, three or four options These days, polls are appearing in my feed a lot less and the view counts for those things are a lot lower. So they've kind of had their day and I wouldn't Mm. recommend overusing that type of content.
1: Well, I'm glad you've said that (laughs) because I made an episode on how much I hated LinkedIn polls because I felt like every time I logged into LinkedIn, I was just seeing these really pointless. And I'm somebody who likes to ask engagement questions, but when I ask a question, I genuinely want to know the answer. But it felt like people were saying things like, Uh, should I make a cup of tea? (laughs) or like, What should I watch on TV tonight? But not really genuinely. They were literally just asking anything. And I did a poll actually, which was, is anyone else sick of LinkedIn polls? And it did get quite a lot of engagement, but it just felt to me like people were getting a bit lazy. And because it was a newish feature, they were thinking, oh, I can just get loads of comments and likes. I'm glad that you've said that that's gone down because it was Actually, putting me off going onto LinkedIn because it was just so banal. Everything I saw, I was just thought, oh, God, it's awful.
0: Yeah. And that speaks to one of the tips I often give people is to make sure that you curate your feed as much as possible so that you mm. don't get that irrelevant stuff because it'll just put you off the whole platform. So if mm. someone is consistently putting out something that you don't resonate with, there is an unfollow button and they won't mm. get a notification. And that just tightens up your feed and makes sure yeah. that. If you're logging in for 20 minutes a day, you're going to see 20 minutes of quality per day. So, for example, I've got almost 10,000 connections. I only follow about 700 people. Um, So most of my connections I don't follow because I want to keep my feed super relevant, entertaining, Mm. educational, and related to my enterprise and really nothing else.
1: And it's interesting because I guess that's how things are going with TikTok and with Instagram Reels, the For You page. It's basically like if you watch a lot of stuff or you engage with a lot of stuff, it will show you more of that stuff. It's the same sort of concept, really, isn't it?
0: Yes. If you, The more things that you interact with, the more the algorithm will learn what you like. If you're spending mm. lots of time commenting on a certain type of post, mm. then you're more apt to see that kind of content in the future. LinkedIn's mm. algorithm doesn't learn as quickly as TikTok's but the, the same basic principles apply. So you get more of what you interact with. So if you see something that you find objectionable, the best thing is probably to move on and maybe unfollow that person if you were following mm-hmm. them. The flip side of that argument, of course, is that you might end up in an echo chamber where all you see is people who agree with you and say exactly what you want to mm-hmm. hear. So there's an argument for saying that you should mix it up a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'm too busy to be um, having lots of irrelevant stuff in my feed, so I, mm-hmm. I try and keep it super relevant where possible.
1: So what about direct messages? Another thing that's really driving me nuts at the moment is every time I go to LinkedIn, I felt like every message I get is somebody trying to sell me something There doesn't feel like much in the way of genuine interaction and conversation. I think I messaged you about something and said, I think this is the first proper conversation I've had with somebody for ages. What's going on with that?
0: I think a lot of people have complained about this. I'm very picky about who I allow into my network. I do allow in mails to come in and thankfully I don't receive very many salesy ones, Mm -hmm. but because I'm picky of who I allow myself to connect with, that kind of limits the the, the opportunities Mm -hmm. for people to spam me. I I want to have seen something good from you on your profile or through your content that Mm -hmm. gives me a way of sending you a personalized message. And then I always try and start a personalized conversation. Afterwards, it might be text, it might be a voice note, it might even be a video. And that's a lot of effort, but it means that people are much less likely to spam me back and I can build my relationships that way. And that's really one of the secrets of my success, which of course I'll be talking a lot more about that for you soon. I just don't engage with the spammers, I don't give them an opportunity to get in front of me as much. And I think stemming that tide is probably my best advice.
1: So, a takeaway for me, and I think for anyone else who's feeling the same as me is have a cleanup. So have a cleanup of your feed and who you're following. And this is going to help you make the time that you spend on the platform more productive. Absolutely.
0: Like I mean, there. it's not just about pure numbers. You know, you could say, I've got this massive network. But if most of those people are disengaged or they're writing stuff that's not relevant to you, you'd yeah. be far better doing a cull so that the average engagement of who's left is mm. high. Mm. And that means that observers can see you know, you getting your fans interacting with you and they mm. want to then become fans. So the pure numbers on their own don't tell the story. The average engagement rate is a much more important measure of how hard you're punching on the platform.
1: I did actually do the same with Twitter recently because I started my Twitter feed back when I was an education journalist. So I had a lot of people following me mm. who were education organisations, not-for-profits and some of those people I still want want to stay connected with but I really had to go through it and think this is who I was and what I was doing for work quite a long time ago and it took ages and it took like a little bit of work every day to do it but it's definitely worth the effort because I'm having much better conversations with people on there. I think sometimes we tend to think about the people that we follow but we also have to think about sometimes removing people that follow us as well because so that we're teaching the algorithm the people that that we want to interact with and whose content we want to see
0: yeah Uh, curation is really really super important here and if you can do it little and often especially when you're early in your journey it's kind of tending your garden Mm. rather than just letting it overgrow and then having this massive problem of how am i going to kill all of these weeds as it Mm. were so start curating as soon as you can And if you're at the start of your journey, all the better because you can grow mindfully and organically with people you're likely to care about and who are likely to care about you.
1: So we're going to talk more about your journey on LinkedIn. I want to save the really good, juicy stuff for your talk at Courageous Content Live. We'll talk more about that later. But I want to talk a little bit about what you see working, so the accounts that you engage with, the ones that work really well.
0: Yeah.
1: What are they Uh, doing that's different to people who are just pumping the feed with Useless stuff that nobody engages
0: with. The ones that work best for me are the ones that have a very, very clear message, a very clear and simple personal brand being built where you've got consistent colors, consistent wording, and a consistent topic. And the people I remember most are those who turn up on video. So that's just Mm -hmm. a massively powerful thing because what I would call the content density of video is really high. You can pack a lot of meaning and emotional engagement in a video that you just can't in writing Mm -hmm. so the people i remember those who turn up on video and beyond that the people who actually reply to your comments and who get in the dms with you those are the ones you build relationships with and those are the ones ultimately who you're more likely to refer and they're more likely to refer you so a clear personal brand being known for one thing and actually talking to people through comments and dms all of this mm-hmm. stuff takes time and you can't really automate any of that to be honest with you mm. and that's why maybe a lot of people don't succeed but those are the things that work best
1: and if someone was getting started on linkedin I say getting started for their business what would be the well we've talked about curation that would be one thing to do yeah uh, straight off what would be the the next thing you talked about consistency of Mm. colors and would it be sort of cleaning up your profile and
0: i think the the most important thing to get right is the opening bit of your headline because Mm. that's the bit of text that follows you all around linkedin along with your Mm. photo and your name so whenever you drop a comment or make a post that's what people see as their hook into your universe so you've got to get that right and it's not easy to do so you've got to get that right and then you've just got to increase the amount of comments that you leave on relevant posts For your industry because that is the fastest accelerant for visibility on linkedin Mm. is to leave comments on relevant discussions and the ideal world scenario is you go and find someone who's got an existing following they've just posted something that you know about and that you drop one of the first comments with authority supportiveness reinforcing your personal brand and people will see that who would never have heard of you before and if you've got a good hook on that headline They all click through to your profile and that's how you start building relationships and visibility on LinkedIn.
1: Okay. It's a couple of things about that then. So on Instagram, you can automate the, you can follow people so that you get an alert when they post new posts. Can you do that on LinkedIn? Yeah. You
0: can. There's a new feature called the bell so that if you follow someone already and you click the bell, then you'll get a notification every single time they post.
1: Right. Okay. The other part of that was two parts. (laughs) The other one is that hook or that headline. I find a lot of people tend to use very often quite technical language, often quite just jargon, really, that, you know, like as coaches are the worst, the worst. I I shouldn't put it like that. But they say something like, you know, I help women to connect with their inner something and it doesn't really mean anything, but it is really hard to find that killer one-liner, isn't it?
0: It is. You need something that is going to pique people's interest while still grounding them in the environment you work in. So for Mm. me, I've boiled mine down to relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd, which is differentiated, but at least gives you an idea of what kind of work I might do. Mm. And getting to that, as I say, isn't easy. You know, you can't really read the label of the jar you're in, as they say. So you might need Mm. some help on that branding angle, but those first 40 characters or so of your headline are are privileged digital real estate. So if you fill that with something like, I help busy business owners to dot, 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 well, you haven't told anyone anything. Try and get to the point as much as possible. And Mm -hmm. if you can use strong verbs, strong adverbs, something that is differentiated, but still actually relevant that you could back up in a conversation, Uh, That's the point where you want to get to so that people remember you and go, yes, it's that guy who does that thing. And once you're in that space, and especially if you can create something that people echo, that's really powerful. If you can do that, then you're really on the path to success.
1: Well, the relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd, I think everyone who knows you knows that. Did you come up with that yourself?
0: Well, that, that was the relentlessly helpful thing was a bit of luck. I was on stage with Mark Schaefer and he was asking me how I was going to stay relevant in the future. And I said, I'm going to create relentlessly helpful content. I hadn't planned that. And I ne- never said that phrase mm. before, but I said it and then people in the audience reacted to it. And I just mm. mused on that for a few days. And that became my kind of brand identity. That is what prompted me to write my book. Cause I thought I got lucky here. I came out with something and it just magically worked. Mm. But I don't want others to have to go through that you know have to wait for a moment of inspiration there is a way of working towards what your personal brand should be so that's basically yeah. what content DNA is all about but if you can get that and if you can get people to echo your words back to you then as I say mm. that, that's really powerful
1: and I'm putting you on the spot here and we will put a link to John's book content DNA in the show notes so that you can go and check that out but putting you on the spot totally here he doesn't know what I'm going to ask him but are there any LinkedIn what do you call it actually that that first headline the first few words Is there any yeah the LinkedIn headline the linkedin headline yeah. <laughs> clever that isn't it so yeah. are there any that you remember from other people that you can just reel off
0: i can remember like for example my friend who's a video content creation queen she's the queen of uh, video easy peasy Gillian whitney So Mm. she always talks about making video easy peasy. She always puts that in her headline, always reinforces it in her content. All of Mm. her content is about making video less scary. I'm always going to remember someone like that. So Mm. a simple message is much more memorable than something complex and fancy. And you know, you might've been taught in school to use big words and long sentences, but Mm. actually a simple message sounds more authoritative and it's more memorable. So simplify as much as you can and distill your message. And if you can get something that, trips off the tongue and is memorable and differentiated.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I wanted to talk about the commenting because I've got some people that follow me on social media. And whenever I post something, they post something like, yes, content is very important. Or thank you for showing up and giving so much value. And I think, oh, why are you even bothering? But there is an art to commenting. And I think you do this very well. I wondered if you could talk a bit about that.
0: Yeah. You've got to think when you're leaving a comment, could this comment have just been a like? Because if it could, it probably isn't enough Mm. value to be worthy of making it into a comment. But a comment is a chance to, yes, showcase some authority, but also to support and honor the thrust of the discussion. To do anything else would be like going to a party and saying oh this party's a bit boring why don't you come over to my party here's a link to my website by the way Mm. you know that that is not good form so you have to understand what the post is about and whether you have something supportive and authoritative to say in a way that doesn't detract from the poster in any way and if you can do that then pick your spots wisely because a proportion of what you write will be seen by the people who follow you and by other people who aren't even in your network who are following the other person. So it's not just about the posts you put out, but also comments are content. And so you have to be careful about what you write and pick your spots wisely. And actually some of my best comments where I can see people are reacting to this comment and there's sub comments off the back, I've made a note of those. And those are the things that have then informed future posts. And indeed Mm -hmm. they've actually informed chapters of my book. So just remember that comments are content too. And they're an opportunity for you to see what resonates with people. And that can be an inspiration for future content ideas. It's really powerful stuff. And it's Mm. great for visibility.
1: Yeah, it's got to be genuine. And you've got to actually respond to the post, haven't you? And the other thing I think that it probably leads us nicely to is about creating content that people actually want to comment on. Because your Mm. posts, sometimes they get hundreds and hundreds of replies. Yeah. So it would be good for you to talk about why they do, in your opinion. But also, like, how do you create content that people want to reply to? What makes hundreds and hundreds of people come and comment on your LinkedIn post?
0: Okay, so I won't give you chapter and verse on what's in the book, but there's a a framework in there that I call CHAIR, which stands for Challenging, Helpful, Amusing, Interesting, Relevant. That's the kind of content that tends to get comments on LinkedIn. But the top tips here are that if you... Have more conversations with your audience so you know what's relevant to them in the first instance. That will give you inspiration about what kind of content will serve their needs. If you end your posts by asking a pertinent question that isn't just a, a facile agree question mark, you know, but actually something where people feel as though they're being invited into the campfire conversation to genuinely share their thoughts, that's a great way of engaging Comments and also to make sure that you're around so that you can respond to any early commenters so that other people can feel as though if I'm going to write a paragraph, he's actually going to reply. Mm, because mm. the worst thing in the world is when you actually think about a post and you reply, and then the content creator has gone off on holiday or something, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you, you just feel disenfranchised by that. Yeah. And the last tip, I suppose, would be if you can create content where perhaps you know that you're deliberately leaving something out. So the example I often give is maybe I'm talking about email platforms and I might say MailChimp versus ConvertKit. And then that deliberately leaves out There were loads Mm -hmm. of other providers and people might go, oh, but what about this? And I've tried this and this is a good tool and I tried that and I didn't like it. So it's a chance to just have more of a chat and the more of that you can support by replying to comments and also in DMs as well. If you can build relationships behind the scenes, people will be just much more apt to want to support you. And if you can go out and support them first, even Mm -hmm. better. It's that idea of reciprocity. You know, you give something first, a proportion of people will come back and want to support you. If you can do all of those things on a consistent basis, then Mm. you'll produce something that is comment-worthy.
1: And I guess some people would look at people with businesses like ours where we are teaching. So you're often sharing uh, content, which is that you might be talking about an experiment. Like I remember one of yours, which I think I've used as an example for my clients, is when you had done an experiment on whether text posts were more effective than text and image posts, and it was really detailed, you'd spend ages on it. And there were stats and there were, you know, it was really interesting. It was really, really helpful. And people were really sort of getting involved in the conversation, asking questions, follow up questions, sharing their experiences. And I guess I'm often creating content where you're educating and you're, you're helping. Whereas I will get clients who say to me, well, yeah, I'm a dress designer. What advice would you have to those people who maybe it isn't immediately obvious how they might build a community on the platform? And I think I deliberately say community there because I think that's what we have to think about, isn't it? Not just yeah. getting people to reply to us. It's like, how can I build a community on this platform?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose, first of all, don't underestimate the power of the curse of knowledge where you're going to know a lot more about your subject than the person who's reading or viewing your post. So don't be afraid to start with really simple subjects and get the ball rolling with that. You know, Encourage as many comments as you can and just make people feel heard. So much of it as just people not feeling heard and so if you can empathize with them answer their questions ask them follow-up questions make them feel listened to that just Mm. makes people want to opt in if you've got a product-based business you've got such an advantage honestly because you can show how your product is made i saw one guy who makes custom glass frames for reading glasses and he just shows how his glasses are being made and you never see that anywhere mm. and that makes you want to go and buy the glasses because he's showing behind the scenes and anything that that goes behind the scenes mm. is really powerful stuff like why have you made a certain business decision whether it's a product or a service you could say here's my thinking behind this here's how this service is constructed here's you know how it really helps people here's the people that it's affected and they just keep it as conversational and chatty as possible. And if you can do that, as I say, through comments and DMs, that, that is really the secret to to building yeah. your presence and getting people to care about you in the long term.
1: Yeah, and there's the other guy, the shoemaker guy, the shoemaker, Simon. Yes. Is it Simon? What's his Simon name? Simon Bourne, yeah. Simon Bourne, yeah. So he spoke yeah. at my event last year. But he actually speaks a lot, and this is just be something probably interesting to finish up on, is he speaks a lot about his mental health journey. There's a, a young girl whose name I've forgotten who has spoken a lot about her mental health journey and some quite personal stuff and i don't see that as something that that you particularly do in your own content you you're the relentlessly helpful linkedin nerd but i see other people do it very successfully what are your thoughts on
0: that yeah i think you just need to decide where you are on the spectrum of i'm not going to tell people anything at all about my private life versus someone who just basically lives in public and i think Both ends of the spectrum are probably dangerous places to be. You're either not really revealing anything of yourself at all, in which case you're essentially a stranger, Mm. or you're revealing so much that it might actually actively be putting people off. So Mm. you need to decide where on the spectrum you want to turn up. But I think wherever you do turn up, the important thing for me is if you've defined your brand identity well enough, you get a chance to layer your personality into everything that you do. And that means sometimes you can drop in a hint that, you know, yeah, I'm taking my daughter out for lunch today. And it's just, it's not, it's not as if your Mm. posts are about that, but you can just give people hints about what you care about. You can mention football. If you like football, you can mention films if you like films and just layer it into comments and DMS and and just convey some personality, some sense of humor Mm. without actually making things just overtly about those topics. Mm. just so that the people who actually do engage and invest in following you can get to know you a bit more. Because I think we remember people once we care about them. So you've got to give people an opportunity to care about you. And that means turning up on a regular basis and not just being 100% about business. I think Mm. you're, you're leaving money on the table if you do that.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes people think, oh, sharing anything personal means I have to share everything. It's like, well, no, you get to decide if you're sharing something for clicks or likes or whatever and there isn't a genuine intention there to educate or to help i think that's mm. when people fall on their face i think yes, yeah so you but, don't yeah.
0: you don't have to live in a glass house but mm. the things that you do show off you know the windows into your house should be authentic views mm. of of what it's really like so mm. you shouldn't be making up stories just because you saw someone else do it and mm. it looks like that would work for me because people will smell out a rat yeah. pretty quickly i think So, yes, it's up to you to decide. But when you do show up with those stories, make them as authentic as possible.
1: And finally, what kind of content do you think shouldn't be on LinkedIn?
0: You know what? I don't really think that any content shouldn't be on LinkedIn. The the whole LinkedIn police thing, that doesn't Mm. get me at all. Because I think in the future, all social media will converge. Like all the platforms will have all of the features Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to say whatever you want. And Mm. if people don't like that, there's another channel you can tune into. Yeah. Uh, but the people who do like it will resonate with you. And I think mm. it's okay for your content to be divisive. You know, if some people really don't like you,
1: that's probably mm. a
0: good sign because you're doing something interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 And,
0: and the flip side of that is that there will be some people who absolutely love what you do. So this whole thing of, I don't want to see this on LinkedIn, well, tune out then. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think there's anything that shouldn't be on there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If people took more notice of the stuff that they do post on Facebook, Like, you know, I had a missing cat and everybody was interested in my missing cat and everybody was trying to find my missing cat. I'm not saying that you should be posting about your missing cat, but it's just reflecting on the things that you have posted about and people have cared about in your personal social media. And I think often people sort of feel like they have to switch modes, but remember these are real people just because they're, you know, it's a professional environment. doesn't mean that these aren't real people who have kids and families and cats and dogs and and for me it isn't about necessarily replicating that putting a lost cat on linkedin but it's more just thinking like what are the things that people respond to and care about and how can i bring more of that into my professional content i think yeah yeah
0: sometimes sometimes i was going to say as well that sometimes the post that you spend five minutes just ranting about over a lunchtime (laughs) that you haven't planned at all Mm. but something's really annoyed you or it's a high touch emotion kind of thing or something personal those things can absolutely bang on linkedin you know and they can make you memorable, you know, so, so maybe potentially for the wrong reasons. But actually, if someone remembers you and associates an emotion with something and, and resonates with what you're saying,
1: yeah.
0: you just become all that more human to them. And that, that's kind of the key to being well, remembered. Yeah.
1: And I feel a lot of the content I see on LinkedIn is, I just don't really care that much about it. And I fe- yeah. I feel like the people who've created it don't care about it either. So yeah. why would I care about it? If you've got your yeah. VA just to write a load of crappy posts that, you know, like, like everybody else is, you know, don't make sense. Like it's not clear what the point is. It's not clear what the call to action is. Like if you don't care about your content enough to really spend time and try and create engaging content, like why would I care? And I think that can be quite a hard lesson to learn. But anyway, we could talk about this stuff for hours. But what can people expect from you at um, Courageous Content Live? Because you're going to be speaking at my, my annual content marketing event. And I should say at this point that I... I begged John to, I actually did send John a LinkedIn message where I said, John, I've asked you so many times now it's getting embarrassing. Um, like, but I'm not going to ask you again. <laughs> I guess it's, it's, like, it's like asking someone out and then they like, keep rejecting you. But I had asked John a few times and, he, and I think you were waiting for your book to come out or whatever. It wasn't the right time. So I did actually beg John to be a speaker. Um, so <laughs> um, so um, yeah, what, what can people expect me having begged you to speak?
0: Yeah, well, I think I'll talk about What I've learned about uh, building a presence on LinkedIn over the past five years from going from someone who was just really trying to get a few more leads for a copywriting business through to someone who is now actively running a monetized community and teaching small business owners how to do the same sort of thing themselves. So I'll be giving you my history and the lessons that I've learned and sharing tips about how much time I spent creating content, what kind mm. of content really works, how you build relationships in an organic and ethical way so mm. that people care about you and just defining a, a personal brand that people can remember.
1: I hope you found this interview useful and you now understand why I begged John to speak at Courageous Content Live in 2023. I think you'll find it so useful to hear how John has monetized his investment on LinkedIn via a membership community and in a number of other ways and how he balances the public-facing content he creates for LinkedIn with the content he creates for his membership. If you've ever been to any of my live events before, you'll know our speakers are basically part of the community. We ask them to stick around for the full event, to attend all the sessions and join us at our socials and drinks. So if you want to ask them a question then there should be plenty of opportunities to do so. If you haven't heard about Courageous Content Live, it's my annual content marketing event. As far as I'm aware, it's the biggest event of this size happening in the UK in 2023. And not only will you get your 2023 content plan created at the event, yeah, we absolutely do that. And you'll also be the first to get your hands on my 2023 Courageous Content Planner. You'll also get to hear from some of the world's leading content marketing experts. Some of whom have already been interviewed on the podcast, and I will add links to those in the show notes. So, you'll hear how to grow and monetize a YouTube channel with David Bennett, how to find a content niche that makes you stand out from the crowd with Menopause While Black podcast host Karen Arthur. You'll hear how to create viral and trending social media content from Lad Bible senior writer Dominic Smithers. And I'm really not underestimating when I say that Lad Bible really do know a thing or two about creating engaging social media content. You'll learn how to stop worrying what people think and just bloody post it with podcast host and Instagram specialist, Helen Perry, and how to build a thriving Facebook community with being freelance founder, Steve Folland. Whatever you need to know content-wise to grow your business in 2023 and beyond, you'll be able to find out more about it at Courageous Content Live. Social media, email marketing, blogging, live streaming, YouTube, YouTube launch planning, launch strategy. If it has anything to do with growing your business online, it's covered at Courageous Content Live. So if you'd like to be part of the UK's biggest content marketing event, at least to my knowledge, in November, then I will put a link in the show notes. It's Courageous Content Live and I would love to see you there.